You're listening to Sage Spirituality, reaching back, leaning in, and seeking out a deeper experience with God, with your host, Joel Marvin. I am so excited to have the opportunity to pull up a chair with you again this week and just grow together, go deeper in our relationship with God. And I just want to take a one second and ask you to do me a favor. Please share, subscribe, rate our podcast. This thing is going amazing. And so many people are being transformed and they're so excited about going deeper with the Lord. And I just want to encourage you to invite people and challenge people to come up uh, to the table with us and continue to grow together. But today, I have an incredible privilege just to be able to talk to you about something that is, I think it's just too real to me. Um, How many of you guys have ever been frustrated? Oh my gosh, we get frustrated in the grocery store, we get frustrated on the highway, we get frustrated on our jobs, sometimes in our churches, and it seems like the frustration in the 21st century is just a part of life. Everyone's living frustrated about every aspect we can imagine in our lives. But today, I want to talk to you about a frustration that is actually fixable. You know, I really can't do very much about your uh, your mail service or your internet service or your your cable provider or uh, your commute to work, but there's something I think that so many of us in the 21st century share. One of the biggest reasons that I see people of faith uh, being frustrated is because of one simple thing. They're not frustrated because they haven't heard from God. They're actually frustrated because they have not done what they know God wants them to do. They're frustrated because they're disobedient. And today I want to I want to challenge you. I want to give you some very practical steps of walking into obedience in your walk with the Lord. Uh, every one of us, we've all failed. There's not one perfect person on the planet. There's not one person that's a super saint or a super spiritual hero. But today uh, I really do want to give practical ways of reprogramming our lives so that we can walk in obedience and eliminate that area of frustration. Now, one of my favorite stories of all time in church history is about a guy by the name of St. John the Short. St. John the Short, he lived in the 300s, the 4th century AD, and he lived in the desert in Egypt. He, was a, he, he had a desire to pursue after God, and he actually left the city and, and moved out into the desert looking for solitude, looking for a way to remove himself from the, the craziness of the world. Maybe there's people here that are listening today that felt that uh, way very recently, that you just want to remove yourself from everything that's going on in society. Well, St. John the Short had an incredible desire to join a monastery, and he showed up at uh, at a remote monastery. And when he got there, uh, he went to the spiritual father, and he, he expressed his desire. He said, I really, really want to join the monastery. I want to be a part of what God's doing here. I want to dedicate my life to prayer and fasting. And the spiritual father looked at him, And he said, "Uh, John, I just want to test your faithfulness. I want to test your real desire. And, you know, this incredible story ensued. The story goes that the spiritual father gave John a dry 
just a dry stick, a dry um, branch, if you will, of a, of, a, of a tree that had been long dead. And he told John, he said, John, I want you to water this stick every day. Well, John was a faithful, faithful servant because for the next several years, he would walk 12 miles, it said. Uh, tradition says he walked 12 miles a day to bring the water from the oasis in the desert up to the, tr- up to the dry uh, piece of wood, and he would pour the water on it every day, every day. He watered that stick. He watered that stick. He watered that stick. And after several years, many years of just watering the stick, the stick bloomed. It took root and life came back into the stick. And over the course of just a few more years, it produced fruit. And he brought the fruit to the spiritual father. And when the spiritual father received the first fruits off of this tree, he shared it with all the men in the monastery and he said these words he said take and eat the fruit of obedience what an amazing story of just persisting in obedience you know that's so real and it's so true in our own spiritual life that many times god calls us just to do things and we don't really see the results of it it takes years sometimes it'll take decades of just simple obedience day after day watering what God has told us to water. And you know, one of our, our biggest issues in our, in our world, one of the reasons we live in disobedience is because of our habits. Do you realize that statistics say, this is not me, but out of the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Doig, he says, the, he says this, 45% of what we do, say, and think is a product of habit. Now, I want you to think about that really quick. That means one out of every two minutes of your day are a product of habit. Isn't that amazing? That half of the stuff that we do, that we think, and that we say are all part of habit. So what do we need to do? We've got to change our habits. I don't know if you remember the quote by Erasmus that the only way to drive out a nail is by putting another nail in its place. And that's the power of habit. The only way to replace a bad habit is with a good habit. And in that book, The Power of Habit, he says the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. So we have to change what we're doing on a daily basis to change who we are, to change our obedience levels. Now, realistically, we need to change our routine. It's very, very, uh, very simple that uh, every one of us can say, hey, I want to change the way I react or I want to change the way that I that I think or I want to change the way that I live. But realistically, we can't really change much of anything unless we change our routine. Now, I could tell you right now that there's three habits that are probably doing the most damage in your spiritual life. They're the habits of selfishness, the habits of self-righteousness, and the habit of self-centeredness. That's, uh, I don't know if you can find the common denominator there, but if you guess self, uh, ding, 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 you guessed right. We live in a self-centered, a self-righteous, and a selfish society. 
We live in a world right now that completely opposes the Bible, not in morality so much as much as it does by putting each one of us as the center of our own universe. Each one of us, as I've said before, are our own king. We're our own sovereign. We have our own kingdom and we do our own thing. But today I want to challenge you in three areas. I want to replace the habits of selfishness, of self-righteousness, and self-centeredness with three habits that Jesus pointed to in the Sermon on the Mount. The first habit that we can see is, is in Matthew 6, 1 through 4. And Jesus said these words. He said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So let me make a challenge for you in place of being selfish. Let me challenge you to become generous. And the way we become generous is we become generous in private things. I'm not talking about a a generous Instagram, or I'm not talking about the person who has to let everyone know everything they do for anyone else, or anytime they think of another person, or prefer another person, or try to bless another person. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying that in our life, we should look to bless other people and do it in a way that no one else may know. And what we're doing is we're forming a habit of generosity. This goes completely in the face of our, of our consumer-driven society. Our society tells us that we need to do what we want. I, one of my favorite TV shows, if you, want to, if, if you will allow me to share a guilty pleasure, is Parks and Rec. And I remember hearing the catchphrase, treat yourself. And, you know, our society lives on that. Treat yourself. You know what? You deserve this. Buy the shoes. Do it, man. Come on. You, uh, you're, you, you deserve this. But that goes completely against what Jesus is trying to teach us, that we would focus on the need of other people and we would become generous and we would bless other people. I can't really treat myself and think about my brother who has need. No, I absolutely positively love what John Bunyan said. John Bunyan was an English uh, spiritual leader. He was a pastor, and he spent many years in jail because of his faith. He was a writer of one of the most famous books in English, The Pilgrim's Progress, and he said these words. I think they're words that still apply to us 400-plus years after his death. He said, you have not lived today until you've done something for someone who can never repay you. Think about those words. You have not lived today until you have done something for someone who can never repay you. That's pretty powerful generosity. Now, the second thing that Jesus points to, the second habit that would replace the habit of self-righteousness is Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 he says when you pray you shall not pray like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corner of the streets 
and they, that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you that they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So Jesus says, we're going to replace selfishness with generosity. He also says that we're going to replace self-righteousness with God's righteousness. We're going to every day of our life. I love this. He says, when you pray, I want you to think about the audience that Jesus was talking to. He was talking to a Jewish audience. He was talking to the, the, his followers, his disciples. And out of those disciples, there were men who were committed to the prayer tradition of the Jewish faith. And one thing that good Jewish people to this day do is they pause three times every day to pray the Shema or to pray a prayer. And Jesus was telling them not to change that, but he said, when you pray those three times each day, I would challenge you that over the next several months that you would make a habit, maybe set something on your cell phone that you would pause three times a day and you would pray and you would stop. And basically what you would say is you would recognize, God, you are God and I am not. (laughs) And I need you. I need you, Lord. I absolutely love the words of the old hymn. I need thee, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Charles Spurgeon, the incredible British pastor, said in the in the 19th century, he said these words, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Billy Graham says these words. He says, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. No, imagine that. As Spurgeon, if you want to take these two quotes and you want to mesh them together, what they're saying is it's a conversation, a two-way conversation between our creator and the created. And we're asking the engineer of all the universe how we need to do things. We're submitting our wills. We're submitting our desires. We're submitting our our goals. And we're subjecting ourselves to the sovereignty of God. This goes countercurrent to our society that promotes self-righteousness, self-made men, self-centeredness, and self-promoting. You know, I think we would do a lot of good if we would realize that each day we need to slow down and we need to stop. We need to stop. And we need to rely on God. Every day we need to recognize that we need our creator. Every day we need to confess that we're not worthy of his righteousness, but we're thankful for everything he's done for us. Every day I think it would be good for us to come into the Lord's presence and lay our burdens down before him. Martin Luther, the great reformer back in the 16th century, he wrote these words, pray and let God worry. There's a lot of you guys that are listening to this podcast, you're carrying worry, you're carrying anxiety, you're carrying things in your life that your creator never intended you to carry.
pray and let God worry. Now, the third thing that Jesus encourages us to do in Matthew chapter 6 is he tells us in verse 15, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So realistically, if we're replacing selfishness with, uh, with giving and generosity, and we're replacing self-righteousness with reliance on God and prayer, then we're going to replace self-centeredness with fasting. Now, see, um, when we talk about fasting, so many people think, oh, man, I can't give up food or I can't give up. Uh, I can't, uh, you know, I can't just live on water. I'm not going to move out in the desert for 40 days. I'm not going to do this for 21 days. But let me speak to you from one of the church fathers, John Cassian. And, you know, one of the, this is from the early church. This is from 15, 1600 years ago. And he said these words to help us understand. He said, let us not believe that an external fast from visible food alone can possibly be sufficient for perfection of heart and purity of body, unless with it there has also been united a fast of the soul. For the soul also has its foods that are harmful. Slander is its food, and indeed one that is very dear to it. A burst of anger also supplies it with a miserable food for an hour and destroys it as well with its deadly savor. Envy is food of the mind, corrupting it with its poisonous juices and never ceasing to make it wretched and miserable at the prosperity and success of another. Vanity is its food which gratifies the mind with, with a delicious meal for a time, but afterwards strips it clear of and bare of all virtue. Then vanity dismisses its barren and devoid uh, of all spiritual fruit, all lust and shift wanderings of heart are of are of a sort of food for the soul, nourishing it on harmful meats, but leaving it afterwards without a share of its heavenly bread and really solid food. If then, with all the powers we have, we abstain from these, it is a most holy fast. Our observance of the bodily fast will be both useful and profitable. Let me just tell you this. So what John Cassian is saying is we should fast not only from food, but we should fast from vanity and we should fast from envy and we should fast from slander and we should fast from anger. We should fast. And what do we, when we talk about fasting, we're talking about abstaining from something so that we can get closer to God. What we're talking about is what Jesus said. We're denying ourselves. We're denying our desires. We're desiring, we're denying the things that we want. Remember, we're giving up the, we're giving up the catchphrase of treat yourself. And we're saying, you know what, God, um, we're going to prefer someone else. It can be something as simple as allowing someone else to choose the restaurant. It can be something as simple as giving up your preference in picking something. 
allowing the other person to choose. That Those are small things, but it's preferring our brother. No, listen, I would encourage each one of you to talk to your pastor, talk to your church leaders about actually taking a fast, a, a biblical fast, which would be either water or juice or uh, fruits and vegetables, however that looks. Also consult with your doctor and make sure you're physically fit to be able to do these things, and you will see unbelievable benefits. But I can tell you this, Anytime I have denied myself, it's done me great good. I would challenge each one of you to choose to change your routine. Change your habits. And if you change your habits, you're going to change half of all of your actions, half of all of your words, half of all the things you're thinking. Instead of thinking about self-centeredness, instead of thinking about self-righteousness instead of thinking about selfishness. How about we think about denying ourselves? How about that we're thinking about praying and putting it into God's hands? Or how about that we think about being generous with what we have? You know what? It's Realistically, it's like watering that dry stick. We just keep doing it day in and day out. And sometimes replacing a habit can take as little as seven days. And sometimes it may take as many as seven months or seven years. But I can tell you this from what we learned from St. John the Short, it's worth it because one day, because of our faithfulness, because of the change of our routine and the change of our habits, we will eat the fruit of obedience. I want to thank you guys so much for staying with me today. And my prayer for you today is that you would continue in your journey towards God. I pray a blessing on you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I look forward to our next time together. God bless you. Remember, rate it, share it, and subscribe. God bless you guys. This has been Sage Spirituality.